gentlemen, we are joined in our One Love podcast this afternoon with uh, Nia Singh. We have had him before on the One Love podcast. And uh, this time, um, as we can see on the news, uh, he's a hot item uh, entering the mayoral candidate race uh, for the mayor of Toronto coming up next week, uh, October 24th. So as much as we wish that there was more healthy debates happening around the mayoral campaign and election. Um, we know of uh, Nia and his uh, lengthy work with the uh, people in the black community, people who have been affected by p police uh, brutality uh, as we work in the prison. So Nia, um, congratulations for putting your name down and for doing the hard work. Um, how have you been um, with this uh, campaign? Um, it, I'm sure it must be kind of tough with you and everything else is happening. Yeah, thank you, Habib. I, I appreciate you having me on. It's been a little tough, yes, I will say. I, I'm still operating my firm full-time. My clients are, are my priority because I've committed to them. But I'm also running because I cannot see another election pass with the same old mistakes being made and the same disregard for human life in Toronto. So I put my name up. I want people to know that I'm running and I'm hoping that we can all come out together as a force and demand change from the city. So it's it's been difficult, but it's something that I care about deeply and I will continue to do. Leo, we know of the work you have stood up uh, against injustice in the city and one of your, your uh, uh, focus in this uh, campaign is on homelessness. Can you tell us uh, a bit about that and uh, how do you expect to turn things around? That is so drastic. I think 150,000 people are homeless in Toronto and house prices are on the rise. Uh, how do you expect to turn this around? I, I expect to turn this around by really focusing on the true needs of the homeless. Um, homeless people get a certain stereotyping um, about them and I don't think it's really understood the various degrees of people who are homeless but when it comes to homelessness the ones who are the most severe who are sleeping on the streets um, they need a different type of support they need a more intense daily support I know personally because I have a good friend who was normal functioning he was okay and then he developed schizophrenia later in his life and once that happened, he got in, in job, involved with the criminal justice system. And then when he encountered me, I was supporting him. And then trying to find him a shelter was near impossible. He's a native man. And uh, I couldn't believe that in the city of Toronto, I could not find a bed for him. I had to let him stay with me, stay at my house for a, a while. And then finally, I was able to get him into the native men's residence shelters. And then daily support to this day is required for him to be okay, to make sure he has enough money to eat, his rent is paid, and he's okay. That's what I think is missing from this model. We have people who go out and, and try to help homeless, but it's only for a shortened period of time. People who have mental health or other issues need daily support, and they need almost 24 hours uh, around the clock support. A few months of intense support will go a long way. So I wanna see the model change, and then, of course, things such as rent control and building more affordable housing is necessary, but primarily intense 24-hour support for these people. Great. Now, the, the you've been involved in fighting against uh, police injustice. Uh, you have helped uh, the Black uh, community and uh, 
the over-incarceration of our Black folks, even during the pandemic, we still had had this problem. Um, do you see uh, in your um, ability in the city of Toronto, given that uh, as the mayor, you, you will only be uh, confirming whatever is passed in the council and not necessarily be having the power to stop the violence in the city, for example, or, or over incarceration of black folks in the prison, for example, which is a federal issue. How do you expect it to really make an impact upon an uh, issue that is so close to your heart that you've been fighting for for years? Well, as mayor, mayor defaults to the position of being on the Toronto Police Board. So I would definitely, as mayor, use my influence there, point out the issues that I see as a criminal defense lawyer, because I see a lot of situations where people do not need to be charged, they do not need to be arrested or even have a bail hearing. And it comes down to police discretion. Unfortunately, with the Black community and other marginalized communities, um, it seems like statistically that police discretion is lower. Um, I would definitely use my influence to assist with um, informing the police of how they can do better and make suggestions of making sure that officers exercise that discretion. Um, being involved with the criminal justice system, again, um, just having a voice around Crown attorneys uh, pursuing charges when the evidence is not very uh, prominent is another thing. So it really comes down to relationships and why are uh, brown and black and indigenous people disproportionately affected and treated differently when in the court system and by police. That has been an ongoing issue and it needs to be addressed. And as mayor, I would definitely use my skills and my experience to help push that along. Okay, now we have used the One Love podcast to, uh, to share stories uh, um, of uh, BIPOC communities, people who are vulnerable, people, the unsung heroes of our community to inspire others. Um, you have a very interesting story, you've shared it before, but if we can backtrack a bit, how did you, as a Black person, and also coming from Guyana with a, a Caribbean background, and also you have uh, affiliation to diversity, huge diversity in Toronto, uh, including the faith um, that Muslims share, etc. Like, how do you see yourself positioning yourself to really push the diversity and inclusion card here in Toronto and stop and stop some of this uh, huge uh, racist and Islamophobic, anti-Semitic, uh, homophobic uh, things that are happening in our city? Well, I would definitely use the fact that I am a person of color. Um, I'm of Indo-Caribbean background. My, my father's side is Indian and my mother's side is African descent from Bermuda. And that combination of cultures is very uh, important because it's shown me two different cultures. And there are many different cultures in the city of Toronto. We are probably the most diverse city in the world. And our city hall does not represent that. When you look at all the city councillors, uh, majority of them are not from the BIPOC community. And it's not saying that you have to be to be a counselor, but what you do have to do is be able to represent the wide variety of people in Toronto. So the more variety we get in city council is the more variety we will get in, in solutions. And I believe as mayor, who would be the representative of the city, a lot of people will, will feel more um, in tune and they'll say, oh, we have a black mayor or we have an Indian and black mixed mayor. And they will say, he understands things and they'll see that I understand various types of cultures and I'm able to relate. So that is the major reason. Representation means everything. So if you can see yourself in the leadership, people will start to aspire to be leaders and we would see much more uh, 
diverse solutions to problems we have than the narrow focus that seems to have taken place in the past. Wonderful. The, you know, you were, you were involved heavily in the music industry. You grew up in that. You produced music. You were, you were a time uh, established your own studio in Scarborough, and there was no such thing for youths to publish and produce and play the music. Uh, we're coming out of a pandemic, and uh, we have lost time with uh, concerts and music and having, um, we had to cancel uh, many of our shows. Um, what's your, what, how do you see yourself um, really pushing uh, indigenous music, black music, uh, cultural music, because uh, there is still an underfunding for such uh, musical programs, musical festivals, a production of uh, diversity music. As a matter of fact, one of my good friends, he's actually looking to put on a, a festival um, if not next year, the following year, that is really aimed at multicultural music, um, the arts and music. What's your take on that? Well, my take is um, arts and music really speak towards economic development. People really don't realize that all of the arts festivals and culture that we have here, when they're done properly and when they're exposed and people um, attend, it generates revenue. And if we can keep generating revenue and have cultural experiences at the same time, that's going to make the city blossom. So my experience in 20 years in music, I've put on shows, I've curated artists. Um, to me, that would be a good way for me to at least advise the entertainment councils or the festival committees to say, you know, this is a good idea. Oh, I, I would support it. I would attend these events. And that uh, definitely Toronto is a music city. We have the world's biggest musicians uh, from Toronto. We have Drake, we have The Weeknd, we have Justin Bieber, who's from the air, like close in the area. So we are world leaders, but yet our city doesn't reflect that. And it it's gonna take someone who has that experience and the know-how to understand what would be a good budget, what would be good timing, and what type of audience we can reflect. So I would love to see all types of festivals. I've never seen a country music festival in Toronto and people don't even uh, expand on that. We have reggae, we have calypso, we have, you know, different communities that all have their genres. I, I just saw a video of a nice Greek concert the other day. So it's like we are underusing our, our international diversity and we're underplaying the amount of artists we have. And we have to, as a city, do better in making sure these artists are promoted and that in turn will generate revenue for our city. Great. And... Uh... Indigenous community, uh, we just did the, observe the Truth and Reconciliation Day, but uh, there were, you know, during the pandemic, we started a food bank and some of the people that we serve are Indigenous people community. We serve the homeless in Allen Garden and uh, across the city and you have uh, blessed us with your support and that poverty and, uh, and the Indigenous community, they go, it seems like they go hand in hand Although they are a beautiful community, they've come with a great civilization and culture, they have great talents. Do you see um, something, do you, can, can you think out of the box when it comes to indigenous community, how we will be able to rise above this and uh, let the truth and reconciliation as allies in the truth and reconciliation here in Toronto, in Canada, really do something smart and, and different for the indigenous community here in Toronto. So they don't have that label of being the Indian that is poor and on the streets and drinking, like really take them out of that as allies in this uh, 
truth and reconciliation in Canada? The biggest issue is education. Um, our government has done a very poor job of ensuring that education on Indigenous history is prominent in our schools. And I know there's a movement to do this in universities, and there's even some people who are pushing back because they don't understand why. But we, as a city of Toronto, diverse city, and who are using the Indigenous land, we are sitting on Indigenous land. Um, we should not be ignoring the history. If the history is, is understood, where they understand that there's various people from Indigenous communities, there's Cree, there's Huron, there's Wendat, there's Haudenosaunee, there's Ojibwe, um, there's Haida, um, that's not well known. And once that becomes more known, and then people are able to identify the different cultures, then you start getting into a situation where you can say, oh, that's a Greek festival, that's an Italian festival, that's a German festival, that's a Russian festival. Um, right now, we just lump Indigenous people into one category. And that is one of the biggest problems. And we need the Indigenous community to feel like they're welcome and not shunned and stereotyped, like you said. And that would be through highlighting a lot of the professionals. There are so many Indigenous professionals that don't get much exposure. And our city has a responsibility uh, through Truth and Reconciliation to make sure their history is known, their, their past leaders are known, but also their current and future leaders are known and acknowledged in order to bring that cohesion to Toronto. Great. Uh, Ania, it's a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I will close by asking you to share something from your childhood that you think that has led you to this passion that you have been exhibiting for a good while now in running for this uh, campaign and putting yourself out there. I saw that you're walking from um, Albion Road, Etobicoke to Scarborough this weekend. Um, I applaud you for that. And I ask those um, who will be listening to this to, to check you out uh, and check out your social media. So what is it in your childhood or something growing up that really happened uh, and you think that is really inspire you to be this beautiful, successful, strong-willed activist that you have become today? I have to give the credit to my family. It is my father and my mother who really uh, set the foundation for me. They were hard workers. They supported me. My mom would read with me and do math with me daily. My dad would, you know, always stress the importance of ingenuity. And I, for some reason, with those abilities and that stability, I was able to look at others who may not have had that fortunate uh, experience. And then I would always want to help. So I could just remember being a young child, um, always wanting to read to the kids or help other kids with their homework, all the way up and in, even into high school. And that's just become part of my nature. I then found out my father's Indian from Guyana. And I found out that he used to lecture his family to respect the African descendants in Guyana, because there was a period in the 70s, late 60s and early 70s, where there's a lot of racial tension. And my father was one of those leaders who says, you know, you respect them just like we respect our Pua and our Chacha. He said, you respect them the same way. And, right. I, and I only heard those stories a few years ago, but now I realize that I must get that sense of justice from my father because he was always making sure people were treated fairly. And I always witness my mom and dad support their friends. And I think that's a large reason why I try my best to support anybody I know. But I don't like to see people taken advantage of. I don't like to see oppression. And I think, you know, I know when I ran in 1997, when I was only 23 years old, that was 25 years ago, 
I did it because I could not see that gap between the rich and the poor, those who don't have and those who have not. I couldn't see it keep expanding. And I found that government was taking advantage of those who did not have the knowledge. And yet, 25 years later, it's the same thing. Um, this year, we've had a silent election. We've had virtually no advertising on the election. Our mayor has avoided debates. And what that essentially does is take away the choice from the public to understand who's there to represent them and for them to make an informed choice. So I'm always fighting to show my face and let the communities know there is somebody who's honest out there. There is somebody who's responsible. There is somebody who will fight for what's right. So when they want to cast their vote and they're, they're sick of all the other type of politics, they know they have a place to place their vote. So that's why I'm running. Um, I know it's a lot to take on, but I think humanity, it, we only have one human race and um, we, I don't want to see it continuously go down. It has to be risen up and we have to pick uh, people over profits. And, and I don't want to see the city just turn into another uh, slum like Detroit or Chicago because they had expressed good times and then they went down. So that's my position. Great, great. Um, I think you, I, I, um, you were discovered, um, someone in the, in the political arena discovered you uh, in earlier years and, uh, and introduced you to politics. Uh, was it the Green Party or something like that? No, it was Winston Roots from the West End. Winston Roots, I was at a um, event for the Marcus Garvey Center that we were helping get open. And he saw something in me. He, he saw me as young, intelligent, and, and a future leader. And he brought me over to some political um, debates and, and groups. And from there, I started volunteering with other campaigns. And then from that point, I realized an average person, the common person, can rise to a level of, of an elected representative. And I've been doing advocacy work ever since. Awesome. I want to thank you on behalf of the brothers that you have helped and uh, our community and for standing uh, in the race. Um, at the end of the day, it's the small things that matter with lots of love. And I think that's what uh, you represent here today. Um, you have any parting words? Um, uh, and again, it's, uh, this is not a political forum. This is a podcast that we share stories of inspiration to others especially the unsung heroes, so that others could be inspired by them. Um, you have the parting words, Ania. Yeah, I just want to say, back to what you said, is it everything matters. It's the little things that count. So don't think any little gesture is too small to be recognized because it all uh, compounds. So do what you can whenever you can for your fellow humans. I just want to remind people, go to my website, electniasing.ca. Nia spelled K-N-I-A or follow me on Instagram, K-N-I-A-S-I-N-G-H or on Twitter, Master Nia and come out for the walk across Toronto on October 22nd. That will be great for us to show as a city we're connected, connecting the dot from Rexdale to Scarborough. And I just want to say, keep the faith and do everything to help your fellow humans. And, and really, uh, I just hope all the best for everyone out there. Thank you and assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam.